Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars, to The Office, to cosplay, to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of It's a Fandom Thing. This week, we're going to be talking about the television show Stranger Things. And I'm very excited to talk about this one because I've loved this show since it premiered. Um, And I know that some of the seasons aren't as strong as the first one. (laughs) Um, There's only three seasons. There is a fourth one that's coming out. I believe it's next year. But I just wanted to celebrate this show this year on Stranger Things Day. So happy Stranger Things Day, since that's when this episode will be dropping. Um, We are recording this on Halloween, so happy late Halloween. (laughs) Um, But I am excited to talk about this one. But before we get into Stranger Things and before I have our panel introduce themselves, just a quick note. Uh, We are taking listener support for as little as 99 cents a month to $9.99 a month. You can help the show get better audio equipment, better editing equipment, just everything else. Um, And you also will be helping out a Black Lives Matter organization because, as I've mentioned, from now until the foreseeable future, each each month we will be – highlighting one Black Lives Matter organization, and they will be getting 50% of whatever we receive from listener support. So I will be actually announcing when I drop this episode on the 6th. I'm hoping I will be announcing then what organization will be getting the funds that we have since the last time we cashed out, which was earlier earlier in October, to the end of November. So on November 3rd, or actually December 1st is probably when I'm going to do it when I will go ahead and put 50% of whatever we've seen towards that organization. And if you have any organizations that you'd like us to highlight in the future, please feel free to reach out to us via our, via our social media or email. Okay, so I'm going to go around and have everybody introduce themselves and tell me one thing in pop culture they're excited about right now. Start with you, Megan. Hi there again. Um, right now I am super excited about The Mandalorian. Um, I was very excited about the episode that premiered yesterday, and I've been rewatching it uh, a significant amount of times already. Um, I'm just happy that Star Wars is finally getting a good platform to kind of talk about other characters other than the Skywalkers. So it's just been really fun for me, and I'm enjoying season two of that so far. Awesome. And once again, I am like, I think the only person in the world who has never seen the show. <laughs> so. But I've noticed that everybody's extremely excited about it right now. That's that's a lot of what I've seen on my both my Twitter and Facebook timelines. So I'm excited for everybody who is excited. And then Susie. Hello. Um, I'm Susie. Hi. <laughs> so uh, one thing uh, random related that I've been like, uh, delving into recently is um, I've been watching rewatching the whole X-Files series while I, well, it's, this is being recorded on Halloween day. So I've been watching it while I make my Halloween costume. <laughs> so that's been really fun. It's good to have on in the background and just, you know, like in moments, look up and be like, Oh my goodness, that person has a tail. What? And then just like, keep going what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Some, someday we are going to be doing the X-Files. We were going to be doing that this year, but for, I don't remember why it changed. Something changed with, Something else happened, uh, but we are going to cover the X Files for sure someday because you kind of have to cover that show. So, yeah, cool. And this is Aaron, and this is recording on Halloween, so this is 
will be over by the time you listen to this. But what I am into right now is um, Shudder is hosting an all-day Halloween special called Shudder Fest. And right before we recorded, I watched their Legends of Halloween panel. And they had people on there like Tony Todd, Robert England, Tom Savini, um, Lynn Shea, Lance Henriksen. Um, and I know I'm forgetting, but the, the guy who played Pinhead, I can't remember his name right now. And, um, oh, the guy who played Jason a couple times now, I'm forgetting his name. All of a sudden he was also a, um, stunt man. He was never really an actor. He started out as a stunt man. So, uh, it, that was really a lot of fun to see all of them talking and their interactions were really interesting. Um, so that's bringing me joy and it's going on all day. And then I'll be watching the movie Halloween later tonight, which I always do on Halloween. So that's, that's bringing me a lot of joy. Okay. So let's get into stranger things. Um, so first I just want to ask, uh, what everybody's overall thoughts are on the show and what your favorite season is Megan. Um, for me, I think season one and season two are at a tie for me. Um, my favorite season, just because they both have very D&D elements about them that I really love. Like the first scene in, obviously, uh, Stranger Things in that first season where they're playing D&D, like it, it brings back a lot of good memories for me when I would used to play with friends and stuff. So it was just like, oh, I'm definitely going to like this. And then it just, as it continues growing, you can see how it becomes more like D&D. And I just really like that kind of cool science fiction element. Um, however, if I were to choose between a season, I'd probably choose season two, just because there's a lot more uh, character development, even though I loved the use of um, the visual effects and even just the overall plot in season one better. If that makes sense. <laughs> no, that does. Yeah, that's interesting because... Yeah, because I don't hear too many people mentioning season two. So that's as as a favorite, I mean. So, yeah, that's interesting. And then Susie? So my personal favorite season is season three. Uh, that's where uh, Robin is first introduced, and she became quickly one of my most favorite characters. And there's also more of my all-time favorite character, Steve the Mom Harrington, which is just really great. Like, at at first, I didn't really like him, but then in season two, he really grew on me, and I really liked him a lot more. And then in season three, it was just like, oh my god, this guy is just great. I just want good things for him. Excuse me, sorry. Um, Yeah, no, I agree on the Steve front. Def I'll definitely get into more of that once we get into the characters, because I love what they did with his character. As opposed to what they did with some of the other characters. <laughs> um, me, season one is still probably my favorite because it's what really grasped me, excuse me, and introduced me to the show. I liked the structure of it. Um, it was such a new and kind of, not new because it was drawing on so many other tropes, but... Um, it was such a callback to my own childhood that it just instantly drew me in. I liked all the characters for the most part. Um, like I'll get into, I hated Steve in the first season. Um, 
but I just thought it was such an interesting story. I thought the actors were all really good. I've always been very mixed on Winona Ryder. I will admit that. I've always, my whole entire life, I've been very mixed on her. And I really liked her in this. I'll get into that more when we talk about that character. But it was definitely the first season is my favorite. And I would say um, if there was anyone that was a, that was tied, it's probably season three for a few reasons, even though I have major issues with one storyline in season three. But um, but yeah, I, I think those those both are would be tied. But season one for sure. I think because it was such a strong season, that's the one thing I've noticed is I think it's kind of hard for them to match it. It's hard for the showrunners to I don't know keep that same spirit alive from season one um, without jumping overboard. If that makes sense. So that's that's the one issue that I see them kind of running into. So. Okay, well, I want to talk about how they, they set the show in the 80s. And if you don't know, the showrunners weren't, they were like babies in the 80s. So it wasn't like they grew up as these kids. They weren't, they're not the same age. They wouldn't have been kids or teenagers in the 80s. But I think they captured the 80s really well because there's this kind of feeling to the 80s um, that's hard really to describe, I think, unless you grew up in the eighties and they really, really capture that, what it's like to be a kid. What was it like, what was it like to be a kid back then? The music, um, of course, D and D all this other stuff that they capture so well. And, um, and the love of like different movies that came out during that time, you see a lot of homages to different movies set in the eighties. So that's what I love so much about this show that I think that's my favorite part of the show. Um, what are your thoughts on having it set in the 80s, Megan? I definitely feel it's what captivated me most about it because I'm someone who has a guilty pleasure for the 80s, but that's because a lot of my favorite science fiction books come from the 80s, too. Um, so I like reading like Terry Goodkind. A lot of his books were like the sort of truth series came out then, and I was really into that growing up. And it was just something about then that, for whatever reason, the writing and the music and even just the overall culture, it felt very kind of like new, a little bit romanticized. It was just nice to think of these ideas of like these unknown sort of aspects that we were exploring now. And it was just, I feel like it was the time where science felt most alive and fun, honestly, just because there was just so much experimentation with fashion. There was experimentation with the sound. Uh, that they were interacting with as well as color I love the use of color in the 80s just because it's not something we often see anymore especially now when it's a time of like neutrals and maybe a pop of color but it's just it's not quite the same as before and I think they executed it well without overdoing it or making it seem like um, one dimensional because like there were still some characters where like they were a little bit more subdued, even though they were affected by the 80s. Like you see that a lot with like Will, Joyce and even, uh, uh, oh God, his name leads my, uh, Hop? Hop? Mm, yeah. Hopper? Uh, Hopper, yes. I was like, I wanted to say Hopkins and I was like, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Hopper, but then you have characters like Eleven as she matures. It was nice kind of seeing her develop a personality, kind of get more into the 80s look, as well as some of the other kids as they grow older. So I, I really liked it, and I think they did a good job kind of showing the um, the overall 
look of the 80s because it wasn't all just like one thing it was a multitude of things like it, it, it was probably one of the decades that had the most dimension to it yeah very very interesting description of of the 80s as far as and very accurate for the color because I don't hear a lot of people talk about that I mean they talk about how bad the fashion was and how gaudy it sometimes could be and it was um in a lot of ways but I think that's what made it fun um, but I think the 80s is romanticized a lot because it really wasn't like the great time that people seem to think it was in a lot of ways. Because I think the w- reason it's romanticized is people think you got out of the late 70s when the economy was so bad in this country and there were long lines to get gas and stuff. And then you get in the 80s and supposedly this was when it had an economic boom. But like I've mentioned before, like, I didn't grow up with a lot of wealth at all. We were struggling a lot. So that economic boom did not hit everybody. So I think some people think of 80s as this success time and the time of Wall Street. And while it was for some people, some people it wasn't. And that's, and I think this show actually kind of captures that a little bit um, where you've got, you know, Will and Jonathan and of course, um, Joyce. So you've got their whole family kind of living a lot like how most of the families I knew well, not most of them, but some of the families I knew lived. And of course, I lived too, since I grew up with a single mom. So yeah, yeah. But the color is very true. I mean, I just remember adults and how they would have their houses decorated back then. Some of them, not my mom necessarily, because she still had that um, hippie 60s vibe. Um, But yeah, there would be, you know, those real big pops of color neon everywhere and I can't remember the name of the art where it would be that face you would see the pale face with the black hair I, don't, I wish I could remember the name of that um but yeah it was it's it was a very it was a time of excess um but I like that that the the science thing I never thought of that before so that's that's cool too and then Susie what are your thoughts about it being set in the 80s um, I do, I do like it being set in the '80s because, um, all right. So this like weird little fact. I grew up like in the. I, I grew up. I was born in the late '90s, but I grew up in kind of like a displaced time period. So growing up, what was around me was more like '80s, early '90s. <laughs> so when it comes to like those time periods, I have a lot more like nostalgia and fondness for them and so like when watching the show and seeing all the boys rooms with like all the all the toys and all like all the things that they had those were stuff that like I I I can't I remember like having a couple of those toys in my room and in some of the posters too and also some of like my most favorite my favorite genre of music is like 80s rock like, I just, that's how I grew up, just, like, listening to 80s rock and the Beatles. <laughs> so, it's, so, like, having it set in that time period, I think it's really nostalgic for people who actually grew up in the time period or people that grew up with stuff really closely associated with it. And I think it's really and good. And also, I think it's really good, like, the time period is a really good way to get around, like, the technological aspects of today. Like, if, like, if these kids had iPhones or, or laptops or something, they could easily, like, Google or just, you know, call for help and, and stuff. But having, 
like the walkie talkies and having them actually like do their like go out and investigate and and see stuff is actually is actually really cool because it's it just like it seems like something that you can really well it seems like something that I used to do with my friends so again it also lets itself into the whole nostalgia thing yeah I think that's really interesting because I know both of you were born in the 90s is that correct I don't want to age you but is that's correct right I mean I was born in 97 okay and then Megan I was born in 95 okay yeah yeah Yeah. 95 was the well I'm not gonna (laughs) I'm gonna really age myself if I say what happened in 95 for me um but yeah so so I'm the oldest one on this panel of course so that's why it's so interesting Susie, that you say that uh, even though you were born in the late 90s, you still grew up with um, a lot of the 80s nostalgia and the 80s music and the 80s culture in a way. Um, and eight, and I love 80s music. It's funny because I liked it when I was growing up in the 80s as a kid. And then when I was in high school in the 90s, um, I hated 80s music for a long time until my last couple of years of high school, my senior year mainly, and then right after I got out of high school. And then I rediscovered 80s music and 80s music that I didn't necessarily always listen to in the 80s. Um, and so now it it is my favorite genre of music would be the 80s music, most of it. Um, you know, I, I've seen Depeche Mode in concert like four or five times. Um, and they're one of my all-time favorites, but they didn't become my favorite favorites until later in life, until I was way out, until I was out of the 80s. So, yeah, it's interesting how it can have such a hold on the country. I think you can say that about a lot of decades, really. Um, I think the 90s is one that you don't see that as much, although now it's kind of coming back where that always makes me feel very old, that it's like that there's nostalgia sometimes for the 90s. Um, but yeah, and and that's the good point about the technology because yeah, if you had set this in today's land and Will had vanished like he did um, in the first season, it would have been handled so differently. And I don't, and I think you couldn't have, you couldn't have gotten away with a lot of the stuff they do in this show. Um, and also having the walkie talkies because when we were kids, we had walkie talkies all the time we used them all the time and the other thing about 80s and i don't notice it as much with kids anymore is in the 80s you really did you would leave in the morning and you'd have to be back when the street lights came on so we'd be out all the time as kids we'd be out on the street we'd be um walking around the block you know i mean a lot of people say it was like the latchkey generation but you would have a lot of times where you would even have babysitters, but your babysitters would just stay in the home and you'd go out and do stuff all day long with your friends. We'd make up mysteries. Um, that's another reason I relate so much to it being set in the 80s is we'd make up murder mysteries and stuff that we'd try to solve. Um, you know, we'd be out riding our bikes. We'd we'd ride our bikes down to Cherry Creek uh, which this was before and then right when the mall came in. So it was a little bit different back then. And we go spend time at the wizard's chest, which is a, was, was a big deal. And I believe it's still around in Denver. Um, and then of course, tattered cover, which at that time was stories high and was really cool to go to. 
So it was just a different time being a kid. You weren't stuck in front of a screen all the time. Um, you, To me, it felt like you were using your imagination a lot more than it seems. I don't want to judge kid, like young kids nowadays, but there's so much of screen time that you don't get as much of that creativity of being out there um, in the world. At least that's that's my observation. And so that's one of the things that I miss about that time. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it's, I think it's perfect to set it in the eighties and it, it makes it better in my opinion, plus the music, plus the the soundtrack in stranger things is absolutely awesome. I love it. Um, and I love the score too. So, so let's get into the characters since there are a lot of characters in this show. So first I want to start with the kids the and preteens. Um, and then we'll get into the teenagers and then the adults. Um, so let's start with Eleven, who really is, uh, in a lot of ways, the heart of the show. And, of course, she, um, you know, played – she's, you know, got powers. She had her childhood stripped away from her, all this horrible stuff that happened to her. Um, so what are your thoughts about Eleven, Megan? Um, I really love Eleven just – character development i think this is why i do love season two it's because you see a lot of that then especially as um she kind of moves away from believing papa is the one tell-all truth and finds out more about him that maybe she didn't agree with before and even moving away from mike where that could have been a very toxic situation between them both um and discovering her voice and i really like that especially just because a lot of even today I feel like a lot of them struggle with finding their our society or even then there's some things that are different now compared to them like yes we do value voice more but there's just some things that have yet to change and I feel like Eleven kind of uncovers a lot of that um, as she's exploring who she is in season two for example um, just because like she's meeting new people kind of getting a taste for a new thing in life and yes, yeah, she holds on to those childish like loves she has like for the waffles, like the ego waffles that being a big deal to her. Um, but like also her moving forward and trying to figure out who she is, how she wants to be defined in the world and how she wants to use her power too. Yes, like there is elements where I kind of question if she is used as a feminist character as a front or if it's more of like an enhancer of like we need something that boosts the boys um when they need extra power but I felt like season two and even season three they moved away from that and gave Eleven a lot more of a stronger personality and I hope they can only continue that in season four because she is such a strong front and like I know a lot of little girls look up to her they go dressing up as her for Halloween and I just hope they kind of continue with that trend yeah it's it's like she's finding some autonomy and she's finding who she is um yeah and especially like you said in season two she's really discovering who she is as an individual because so much of her life was controlled um and used she was used from day one for her powers um and she was told that it was by somebody who's supposed to protect her by her papa by somebody who's supposed to be um the adult that guides her and loves her and the adult that guides her and loves her didn't guide her and love her and she was ripped away from her mom and the things that happened to her mom and 
yeah, and 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 the performance, Millie Bobby Brown is just really, really good. I mean, she's pretty outstanding. Um, child actors, you know, it, it can be a mixed bag. Sometimes you can get really, really good acting and other times not. But I think this whole cast is really good. But I think she's just really a standout. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to watch her career as she gets older. And hopefully she'll still have one. I think she will. But she is very, very, she's a very, very, very good actress. Um, she captures so many different dimensions of Eleven because I think there's a lot of anger in 11 but there's also a lot of hurt there's a lot of you know watching her in season two with with jim with hopper um was very interesting because it was like the first time um where she had an adult and i know she gets this with joyce too but i think with hopper it's a little bit different where she had an adult a male adult who was loving to her and did actually care about her and didn't want to use her and didn't want to abuse her. I think some of that changed in season three. Um, but it was, but their relationship in season two was so interesting to watch because she got to have love and care in her life. And, um, you know, that's, that's just so very rare and beautiful, but yes. Um, Susie, what are your thoughts on 11? So I, I really like Eleven's character and how she, like, through the season, she's kind of been learning more about herself and growing as an individual because, as we all know in the beginning, like, she just, she walks right out of that, um, she gets out of the lab and she's just walking around and she doesn't know much of the world because the lab is all that she knew. And it's really interesting to see her go through this, like, transformation of, um, of finding these this ragtag group of friends and finding her own kind of like found family as well and I think it's really like I just I, I really like her character development because like we all because in the first season she just walks into a grocery store and takes ego waffles <laughs> she just steals them but then like we see her grow and just like develop and and learn more and stuff. And she still has like that love for waffles. And I, I, I really like also really like her friendship with Max, how like even Max like pushes her to, to kind of like, like stand up for yourself. Like I think when it's when they like in the third season, when they go to the mall and they run into Mike and the boys there and Max is kind of like, girl, you got to stand up for yourself. Like, he said he was going to be with his grandmother. What's he doing here? And, and like, they, like she stands up for herself. She confronts him. And she's like, no, you just think I'm, I'm stupid. But no, actually, no, I'm going to stand up for myself. And I'm not going to take this from you, even though you say you, quote, unquote, love me. Like, this isn't right. And I, I, I another reason why, like, the third season is one of my favorites is that we get to see her grow more into herself is like the when she goes to the mall with Max that's like one of my most favorite things they're just having fun at Scoops Ahoy with some ice cream and I think that's that's really cute and I I do really like her relationship with Papa because as we all know Papa he was a great piece of crap and it it is really like interesting and very sweet to see her develop 
of kind of like a father-daughter relationship that's actually healthy and and better for her than what was going on in in the lab it's really good and her I don't know I feel like Joyce could be on the road to becoming a sort of like mother figure but I can't like say anything like really definitive I don't know if we'll get like like in the fourth season I don't know if we'll get like a like a scene with her and Joyce talking and such or just like showing how their relationship has developed because since she moved out with the family so I'd really like to see where that goes yeah I agree totally with that I I think we will see that I think um, there's always been glimmers of a mother-daughter relationship between Joyce and Eleven even from season one Joyce has always been had this real real affection for her um, and seems to deeply deeply care for Eleven Um, I think in a way that nobody else on the show does um, with this very motherly, nurturing level. Um, Yeah. And like I I said before, um, my only issue ever with the character of Eleven and her relationship with Hopper is in season three. Because I think the way he was with her was absolutely disgusting. And I'm going to talk about that when we talk about Jim because I think they ruined his character frankly um but but yeah but she's she's been just she's just such an interesting fascinating character to watch and to watch somebody who's had their whole um autonomy question their whole life their uh place in the world and feeling like at once they can help and then at the other end that they might hurt people and watching how innocent she is, she's like a young, um, almost like a young deer learning to walk. I mean, just watching her learn about stuff like egos. I love that she loves waffles so much. I think that is such a cute, sweet little thing to add in there. And really speaks to how young this character truly is. So, yeah, she's fascinating to watch. Well, let's get into Mike, who I would say is probably the second lead in the show is at least among the kids what are your thoughts on Mike Megan I'm going to preface this and say that Mike is probably one of my least favorite characters because he reminds me of someone from my past who acts just like him looks just like him just everything that this character has done was like stuff that I remembered from my childhood and it was like oh you. <laughs> um, although I will say uh, I do like that Mike isn't your typical kind of like alpha male character. He is very intuitive. He kind of likes to explore things, kind of look into it. Like he's always the one that pushes the group forward. And I always admire that. And I hope they kind of continue that with him and he doesn't like give up or kind of like lose his sense of self. Um, However, I do find that as he grows older, he becomes a lot more uh, condescending and a lot less willing to listen. And I have a problem with it, but it is something that's super relevant. And I've seen even growing up in my years, even though I wasn't in the 80s, but it's something that I see a lot of the time with people who are headed into STEM majors where they are interested in the science, but they only want to talk to a certain group of people about it, people they think will understand it and maybe not other groups. Uh, just kind of as Susie was talking about earlier, where um, that scene where Max and Eleven, where they see him over there at the mall, uh, 
and he's not supposed to be there. He told her he was supposed to be somewhere different and how she had him confront him. He was very much kind of like brushing it off, but also really remorseful. And I guess just a lot of those teenage feelings. And I think he's just the representation of what it means to be a teenager, like full extent of it, because he's probably one of the most normal characters in the show where he's just going through the works of it of like, oh, like I'm having to leave this household with uh, parents that are kind of there, but not really like they're not questioning where I am or my sister for that matter. We have all these secrets. So there's a lot of built in anger there. And he's grown, but I don't know if it's for the better, if he's remained stagnant for me personally. But I hope in this last season we see more of the maturity of a young man or someone who wants to do something to improve, like, science and stuff like that. Because there were a lot of people back then in the 80s who did a lot for science and got over that sort of condescending nature that I hope Mike will end up getting over because honestly it gets on my nerves i i agree a lot with what you've said but yeah he's very typical i think of a teenage boy in any generation doesn't matter what generation it is um and and a teenage boy that feels um i think his thing is he feels kind of superior to the rest of the people in his group whether or not he outright admits it but that's the way he acts is that he's the leader and everybody should follow him and he's the one who knows the most and he's the smartest and he's all that stuff. Um, and his relationship with Eleven has been interesting to watch there because he did have kind of a power trip and watching her not fully give into that, especially with the help of Max, um, was really great to watch because, yeah, I agree. Um, Susie, your thoughts on Mike? So in the first season... Um, I really liked Mike's character. I thought it was really, really sweet how he just, like, he was like, our friend is missing. We got to find him. Let's do what we can. And then, like, all, and then connecting the dots. Like, okay, this is the Demogorgon. This is how we defeat him. This and that. But as the series went on and when, as he becomes more of a hormone-addled adolescent male, (laughs) I started liking him less and less. I was just like, oh my god. It also might be a personal thing that on in most cases I can't stand men. <laughs> like some like male characters are <laughs> are really touch and go for me. <laughs> because sometimes like sometimes I don't know what it is. Sometimes I really like them and sometimes I'm like, can you just shut up and move on cuz I just want to get through this. <laughs> like I don't know, it's it's a weird thing. And I know, Benny, I know. And <laughs> and in in Mike's case, uh, it's just his treatment of, of Eleven in the third season just kind of like really disgusted me because <laughs> I felt like he was like, this is my special trinket. This is mine. I'm not going to share it with anyone. No, 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 no. You can't leave the cabin. I'll come to you. No, no, no. I'm going to be on my grandma's. No, don't listen. Like, it's, it's just like, oh, just... <laughs> shut up Mike you're not all that just I really hope that there's and and I and I love the actor I think he does a really good job of making me despise this teenager (laughs) (laughs) and but I feel oh I don't know I just I really hope there's like I want to see something different in the fourth season just like some growth and some maturity yeah 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. Totally. And I love what you're saying about just in general, <laughs> male characters <laughs> and men in general. Um, yeah. I mean, I really do think he's a very, very, very typical of a lot of teenage boys and preteen boys and boys that are going through a lot of hormonal changes. And I do agree that he does treat Eleven kind of like a, like you said, like a trinket, like his prize. I think part of it is he's like, I helped save your life. I hid you out in my house. So, you know, um, I'm a good guy. Nothing I do is wrong. And you kind of own, owe me in a way. And I don't think he fully realizes he's doing that. But I think that's kind of the way he's treated their relationship in season three. Um, and I think he treats the other guys in the group like that, too. I mean, not like they owe him, but like he kind of owns them in a lot of ways. Like he's the leader and they and you could tell that they get frustrated with it at times. So, yeah. Well, let's get into who, spoiler, is my favorite character among the kids, Dustin. What are your thoughts on Dustin, Megan? I love Dustin. He's my favorite character, too. Um, when he first finds the the little Demogorgon in the beginning, and he's like, oh, I need to take care of it. I need to love it. I need to treasure this little being. It is so heartwarming, even though it's something that could kill him. It's just like he's such a little scientist, and I think that's what I love about him. Because, yeah, like he's experiencing hormones in the same way the other guys are, but I feel like he's handling it a lot better than them. And I don't know. He just, he's very wholesome, and he just brings me back to a time where it's like I would have some friends I would talk to, and they would be kind of dorky, but they were always so loving and sweet. And he just brought back those memories for me. Uh, what I do hope for in the future with Dustin is to see him have more of a central role. I know they did a lot of like side kind of roads with him, with him and Steve and their friendship. Oh, so precious. I love that dynamic. It's my favorite dynamic. I don't know what I would do without that dynamic, but, um, I, I kind of want to see Dustin do more to like lead the group by himself. Cause he did at the end and I really liked it actually, especially when Mike was going through his, uh, existential crisis or whatever that was. Uh, I definitely felt like Dustin like took lead and was like, look, we got to keep pushing forward on this. We got to keep going. Otherwise, like this thing is going to come and attack us and it's going to take over the world. And it was just really cool to kind of see that element of him, that sort of like leadership in a healthy way anyway. <clears throat> and um, Susie, what are your thoughts on Dustin? So I, I feel like Dustin can be summed up with one word, mood. <laughs> that young man <laughs> is a whole mood. <laughs> Like I do agree, he is. He's also going through puberty as well. But I think out of out of uh, Dustin and uh, Dustin, out of <laughs> I think out of Mike and um, and Luke, I think he's definitely like handling it better. <laughs> he's not as much of a little like oh, but he's he's oh gosh, he's just so fun. And just the fact that he wanted to adopt a Demogorgon. Just tickles me pink. It's just so good. Um, but I do like. I think uh, one of the things that I really liked about the second season was his was seeing like his relationship, like how his relationship with um, with Steve kind of grew 
and they were just <laughs> like the like I I I kind of love that whole storyline about like him him and and uh, Luke both having a crush on Max, and he's like, well, I just I don't know what to do to get girls, Steve. Do you have any advice? And he just tells him Farrah Fawcett hairspray. <laughs> Oh, that, that you love so much. <laughs> but, um, and I really liked, um, in in the third season especially, his little relationship with uh, Susie and that whole scene that they had where they sang the, uh, the song from Never Ending Story. I thought that was so adorable and so sweet. I was, I was just, oh, this is great. But I, I, yeah, I feel, I really wanted to see him take more of a leadership role because, Honestly, 100 out of 10, I would much rather prefer to see him lead rather than Mike. But that's just me, though. I agree. <laughs> Not just you. I agree. Um, I think Dustin, Dustin really has so much heart and love and care. Um, I think you see that with the Demogorgon that he's trying to raise, you know? I mean, really. Um, and his relationship with Steve I think that's part of the reason Steve becomes a better person is his relationship with Dustin because never, I never would have put those two together as being buddies ever, ever in the first season. It just wouldn't have occurred to me, but it works and it fits so well. And I think Steve gives Dustin a lot of confidence that Dustin doesn't necessarily have. I think he feels like the outcast among his group of friends. I think he feels um, like the one that's picked on the most, that kind of thing. I think he feels, I think he's the one with the least, with the lowest self-esteem. But I think his friendship with Steve has helped that grow some. And I think for Steve, his friendship with Dustin has made him, um, headed and a little bit more, um, it's kind of dashed his ego a little bit that he had in season one. So it's been so great to watch them. And, and I agree, I would much rather see him as a leader um, because I think he truly values his friend's opinion. Um, I don't think he would rule as much like my way or the highway as Mike wants to rule. So I, I do agree with that. Yeah, and like I said, he's my favorite among the kids and he became my favorite. He wasn't necessarily my favorite in the beginning, but he became my favorite. So yeah, I've, I've loved watching him grow. And I'm very curious to see what happens in season four. And I do agree that never ending story scene, because as a kid, never ending story. I remember when that movie came out, that was like, oh, my God, that was such a big deal. Just like Princess Bride became a big deal and Ghostbusters, of course, and Back to the Future. Never ending story was right up there with that. So, yeah, watching them sing that was just it was precious and funny and great and wonderful all at the same time. I loved that. That was one of my favorite scenes from last season. Okay, so let's get into Lucas, who I think is could be considered the token black friend, unfortunately. Um, but let, I just want to give everybody's thoughts on Lucas. Megan? Honestly, it kind of felt like Lucas was just there to be either serving as middle ground or the person that uh, would make the deciding vote a lot of the time, since Dustin and uh, Mike were such opposing characters a lot of the time. And it was just, it always felt very kind of like 
awkward, especially in the first season, just because, like, I didn't know where his place was. But he had some valid reactions. Like, when Mike wanted to go and find their friend, he's like, I don't know, man. Like, this is something bigger than us. Like, we're kids. Like, I don't know if we can do this. And he kind of fought against him about it a little bit. Um, and therefore, it kind of led to the divide with um, Mike as well as Dustin and Lucas about really, like, engaging in this, especially once they realized, like, the government was involved. And I, I liked him in later seasons, but I kind of hate that his only, like, big thing is, like, his relationship with Max. And even then, that relationship is kind of toxic, and Max is starting to realize that, too. And I think that's why, like, things happen the way they do between them. And I just, I kind of always wanted more for him than what was given. And I don't know how they could do that without, like, well, the one thing I would have done if I were one of the screenwriters is take away some of uh, the writing points of, like, Mike that were, I feel like, unnecessary. Just because, like, there's a lot of monologue for him in the show compared to any of the other characters. And I get he's, like, one of the leads, and there should be sort of that thought process happening. But a lot of them didn't have any point. And I think with that, they could have filled in more with Lucas's character and had him do more. I think it actually took his sister Erica coming on to see more of his character for me personally, just because she brought out the the big brother in him and his need to protect her and his need to also like tease her because that's his little sister, but like always looking out for her because he knows that's what his family values. So I kind of hope we can get more out of him personally. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. Susie, your thoughts on Lucas? So, um, I do like how in the first season, uh, Lucas is kind of like, it, it, initially he's kind of like the straight man. Because when they first meet Eleven, he's, he just, he doesn't really, he's kind of wary of her, which is, which is fair. Cause you know, there's a small child that can move things with their mind, you know, make anyone a little bit wary. He tries to be the voice of reason amongst his friends, and then even he's like, he doesn't really believe that supernatural forces were behind Will's disappearance. So it's really interesting to see him kind of like in the first season, especially um, like change, like how his views change, and how he's like, okay, we just we got to get on board with this, and we got to survive. Um, but I, I, I don't think there's much that can be said for him as as a character because it does feel like he's just there to fit like a set upon um like agreement or or set upon like token character and i think and i and i do agree that we only get to i feel like we only get to see more of him and we learn more of him especially when his sister erica gets involved because that's when i feel that that he truly like he comes because it's really cool to see that the interaction of of those two as siblings and it really shows more of his character and such like that. And also, I I I do agree that the relationship with Max is 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 very toxic, and it's it's good to see. I think it's really good, especially the third season, to see her like realize that and 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 and. and Oh god, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> it's really good to see her realize that and just kind of I don't know what they do with this character moving forward, but I'm I'm really looking forward to it and I really hope we get more of him. Cause it, cause 
I, so far, I feel like he's just been like, okay, background, let's do this storyline with him, okay, and then we're just going to keep going. Yeah, I, I wish they would develop him more, you know, give more of his backstory, and I think, like you had mentioned with bringing Erica on, Megan, I think, or bringing her more, bringing her on more in season three, I think they were trying to do that, to establish more of his family, um, but I do find they really don't, the writers don't seem to know what they want to do with Lucas, um, he was kind of the straight man in, um, season one where he was the one who was like, this is a bad idea all the time, always saying we shouldn't be doing this. He was the logical one, um, in a lot of instances, or at least thinking, you know, like, you know, Hey, there's danger here and we are just kids and we need to watch out for this. Um, and yeah, his relationship with Max uh, is very clearly it's it's a stalking for love relationship really um that stalking for love youtube video i've mentioned before does um the person who did that they do a whole thing about stranger things and the toxic masculinity in stranger things and they also mention this relationship they also mention it in the stalking for love youtube video that was the pop culture detective who did that um and i agree it is it is unhealthy i will say i you know, there's a part of me that really thought it was kind of cute and sweet and it was nice that they were trying to give him more of a storyline because they didn't really give him much to do in season one except for be the one that says every time, this is dangerous, this is dangerous. Um, I will say there were a lot of times where I was terrified he was going to get and I was very happy that they didn't kill him. Um, but yeah, I just hope they develop him more, give him more of a, a backstory, have him have more to do outside of his relationship with Max. Um, yeah. So that's, I'd like to see more of that. So, and now let's get into Will. Um, what are your thoughts on Will, Megan? Um, another reason why I personally love season two is because we get more of Will. Like we didn't get to know or do anything with Will really in season one because he was gone most of the time. Like he was taken by this into this like upside down, area and he was trying to find his way through that it was nice seeing him in the real world dealing with that post-traumatic stress and seeing how he's working through it how he's engaging to being back as being a kid but also dealing with his hormones he was probably one of the most fascinating characters to me just because he dealt with so much at such a young age and even though it was a lot his support system from Joyce and even his friends was so strong. It, it just showed me how with mental health, like if you have a strong support system and people who genuinely care about you, uh, how overcoming a lot of these events is super helpful. It's not like the cure all, but it is helpful to have a supportive system behind you. And I just, I hate that he's always been used as the experiment, especially because he's the only one at that time that really was in the upside down. So I was always just super nervous for him of how protective Joyce was of him during that time because she recognized like he's only a kid. He shouldn't have to go through these things and there should be more for him than what he's experienced. And it's hard for him just because he's experiencing the nightmares, this thing's inside of him, it's connected to him. And that would be hard on even a grown man. So he's going through a lot of changes that I I just, I feel sad for, really. Like, I feel really sad for Will whenever 
I see him on the screen, but like I always just kind of when he's happy, like it makes me super happy just because like I know he's experiencing so much pain and I'm glad they're kind of delving more into this idea of like what it means to have post-traumatic stress and how people live with it, especially like during the 80s, like it wasn't super cared about like it was but it really wasn't and even now like there's a lot of struggle with that so I think it's great that the screenwriters call attention to that kind of stuff and I hope that Will is able to escape this but I'm very nervous they're going to have him killed off as a character wow I hadn't even thought of that really wow oh man I hope that doesn't happen I honestly hadn't even thought that was a possibility wow um Susie, what are your thoughts on Will? Um, I really, I really like Will's character. Um, uh, in the first season, especially, even though we don't see a lot of, we see very little of him in the first season. I do like that from the glimpses and bits that we get, like the flashbacks that we do get. It it does show that he has like a very loving and supportive family around him. Like the scene of him singing. Uh, should I stay or should I go with his brother is really sweet. And and the also the scene of, I think, Joyce going to the treehouse is also, like, the, the treehouse, or all the, the little wooden fort. I think it's also really sweet. And I, I do like the second season because we do get to see more of him and we get to see how he deals with the after effects of what has happened to him in the upside down. And I think his character in in the third season is also really interesting because out of all the guys, he's the one that wants to like post to all the things that they used to do. Like especially when he wakes up, uh Mike and uh Lucas when he's just as Will the Wizard. Oh, I think that's just so sweet because even though he wasn't in the Upside Down for, uh, for like years and years or a terribly long time, in a way he, that kind of, that experience kind of did take away his childhood from him. And I feel like his behavior in the third season is really a good example of him like still trying to hold on to the like the, his fondest memories of childhood of just like playing D and D with his friends. But sadly, his friends are like, no, dude, we got to grow up. We don't have time for this. And I, I, I really feel like his anger at them is really justified. Like, you guys are just focused on girls and on, and on this mystery. Let's just do fun stuff. And they're like, no. And I really. I, I want to. I'm really curious to see the move for him, especially in the fourth season. I'm really curious to see how the move turned out like. If he found new friends, if he has new interests, if I, I'm interested to see his growth, it, it, like his character is really interesting for me. Yeah, his character breaks my heart. Um, I feel really bad for him because he had a very traumatic event happen to him, and while his friends were there for him for a time being, to me, it's like they kind of went okay, that's enough, that's enough, let's get on with it. And not just with the, they're into girls now and all this stuff. I think a lot when you go through a traumatic experience is you will have that support system for a while 
and then that support system gets fed up with supporting you is, I mean, that's probably the most unkind way to put it, but um, I think it's that they kind of go, okay, it's been enough time. You should be over this. And I think what he's doing in season three is part of that coping with the PTSD, um, wanting to go back to being uh, more innocent to a more innocent time because he had such a traumatic experience happen. And his friends don't want to deal with that anymore. They want to move on. And they don't want to feel like they have to hang out with Will all the time. Um, and even though it's it's shown as just being this thing of like Will is growing up in a different way than they are, I think it also has a lot to do with the PTSD. Um, and so it's kind of sad to see. It kind of breaks my heart. Um, I just want to give him a hug. <laughs> I just want him to be happy and okay, and I want things to stop happening to him. Um, he's just a really, really interesting character. Uh, I think he's the most sensitive of all of them. Um, and I really, really hope he doesn't die. Now that's all I'm going to be thinking about, Megan. I really, really hope he doesn't die because I think I think that would be I think that would be criminal if they killed him. I, I you know, some other characters I I would be okay with, but. I just, I don't know. I think that would just be too cruel to do that. So I really, really hope they don't do that. Yeah, that would, that would break my heart. Okay, well, let's move on to Max, who was introduced in season two. So she wasn't there for, from the beginning. Um, but what are your thoughts on Max, Megan? I really loved Max because I feel like I grew up a lot like her. Like, I came from a household where things were kind of broken in the same way and like, for me, my dad was uh, much like the older brother, Billy, of just kind of like a like this weird kind of like toxic masculinity nonsense. And it's just like whatever. And you kind of ignore it. And you just kind of just keep going in life, just hoping that it'll just, you know, just be there and you can leave this situation at some point soon. And I understand where Max is coming from when she kind of isolates herself at the beginning of like not wanting to involve anyone because she knows how Billy can be. And Billy is a lot. And I think for her, it's just, it's a matter of like, oh, like these people are cool, but like they're doing some interesting stuff, but they're keeping secrets. I want to know more, but that also requires me to open up. So it's kind of nice seeing that sort of uh, change in her, her realizing like she can trust people. It, she doesn't have to just solely rely on herself. She can open herself up with people and have friends and enjoy her time with them without it being super weird. Although it does unfortunately set her up to fall into this relationship with Lucas that I don't know she even necessarily wanted. I think at that time she just kind of went with it and it just became more than it should have. And I think Aaron touched on that more with the stalking for love thing very well. Um, that was definitely like a big thing. However, I love the friendship between her and Eleven in season three. I thought it was absolutely precious, and I just loved how they helped both of each other grow. Like, there is this innocence in Eleven that um, Max had, but would often, like, hide away from the boys just because they were boys. But then she had Eleven to talk about these things with, and then she helped bolster up Eleven. So it was really nice seeing kind of more of that 
loving kind of like feminine vibe from both of them and ha- not having them see them both kind of act a certain way just because like boys were around like seeing them just girls it was really nice to see them both kind of raw and comfortable and just having fun like it was really sweet the, the scene at the mall and I kind of hope there's more of those moments in season before <clears throat> yeah I agree Susie your thoughts on Max um, I really think Max's introduction in the second season was was pretty funny. It's just they're just like, oh yeah, we have a new kid in school. Their name is Max, and then it, it goes to them like being like, oh, someone got the top score, and what was it like in one of the arcade games? They're like, it's Max. We've got to find out who this Max is and beat him. I think it's really funny how they immediately assume tis a man, and then tis a woman. <laughs> it's just like getting the high score and and just how I really love how just like the fact that she's a tomboy they're like oh my god she has to be interested in one of us like no guys it doesn't work like that no (laughs) but uh, I do like her like the glimpses that we see in her life of her just trying to to survive being in a family with Billy of all people ugh and no um and I I do think it's really interesting to like I I again I really love how in the third season her and Eleven are just like having a good time and just their friendship is developing more and they're and she's finding this external support system that is not like her her boyfriend or his friends it's actually her own friend that she's sought out and I think it's even really cute later when they go I think to Eleven's a house which is the cabin and they're just hanging out I think they're reading magazines and listening to music and I think that's just really sweet and I really uh, I want to like I know we left off at the end season three with her mourning um, Billy's dead so I want to see kind of how how what has happened to her in, in the time span that they decide to do yeah yeah um and I I, I like her um, you know, I think it was nice to have another female presence added. Um, and I think that's one th- area that this show kind of struggles with is it's very male dominated and it can be a little bit misogynistic at times, I think. Um, and I think having her was really nice and having her relation ship with 11 in season three like you mentioned Megan was really nice to see as well it was nice to have 11 bonding with somebody outside of um the four the four guys I think that was really good to see um and I just really liked their relationship and I hope it grows and I hope I hope with Max, we get a little bit more from her independent from everybody else in a way. Um, See her kind of, you know, her struggling with the death of somebody who, of Billy, who was not a a good person at all, who was an evil, horrible person. And having to struggle with mourning the death of somebody who was abusive to you, um, was not a good person, tried to kill your friends and having to grasp the fact that even though that person was horrible there's a part of her 
that is mourning for him. And that's, that's a really interesting thing. And I think it'll be interesting to see how they explore that. Um, cause you don't always see that because, you know, there, there are, there is that thing of like, you know, you can hate this person who's been abusive to you, but then you might have this love for them at the same time. And especially their last scene was, it was almost the last scene with Billy was almost like a scene of forgiveness in a way. Um, I don't know if it was really deserved or earned, but um, that's why I think it'll be interesting to watch Max in, in the fourth season and see how, how they deal with that. Okay. Well, we're in America and you can't spell America without Erica. So we have to talk about Erica who was a little bit bigger of a care whose character was a little bit, had a bigger prominent, um, presence in season three, of course. So what are your thoughts on Erica, Megan? I love that you mentioned that because it was my favorite thing that she said. It was just like, she's just very proud. She's very enthusiastic. She loves who she is. She negotiates, especially when she was at the Scoop Savoy. <laughs> and she's like, well, I'm not going to do any of this unless I get unlimited scoops or however many um, with Steve. And he's like, well, I like, I guess, I guess I can do that. And like, she knows her way around and she's just so brave and just so fun. And I love her. She's just everything I would want. It, it brought me back to season one, actually, when they were all still pretty much kids. It, it brought me back to that same sort of mentality of like the explorer age, you know, you get super excited to just get involved in things. But you know, like they have their wants. And I feel like Erica has a very firm set of boundaries and it's nice seeing that in a character, especially since a lot of the characters in this show don't have any boundaries. She does. And I really admire that. And I hope they continue on with this. Yeah. That's a very good point about the boundaries thing. That's very, very true. Yeah. Susie, what are your thoughts on Erica? Oh, I just, I, I, oh, I just love that fabulous girl. She's great. I, I do like how they kind of like set her up in the second season with her. Just, I think at a certain point, one of the boys is trying to reach, uh, I think Dustin's trying to reach Lucas. <laughs> and he's, and he's, and he's on the walk and he's like, hey, get your brother, get your brother. This is important. This is serious. And I like how she just grabs the walk and just turns it off and goes about doing her own thing. Like, this doesn't matter to me and I do like her character progression in the third season especially how she <laughs> she talks she, she I love how she belittles her brother for being a nerd well meanwhile this just means that she's been repressing her own nerdom and I I, I another reason why I really like Dustin is I love how he just tells her like don't be afraid to be a nerd just own it it's fine no one's gonna judge you that's amazing and I just, I think that's really sweet. And her character is really great. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that, and my favorite part of season three was watching Steve, Robin, Erica, and Dustin and watching their whole interaction because they became like a group because everybody in season three kind of seemed to split off into different groups. And I thought it was interesting that Erica kind of joined in with them. Um, and it was a nice addition because, you know, I, I do think it's, it's great seeing more of her, seeing her perspective and, you know, she's strong and she's strong willed and she's, you know, not going to do something 
for free kind of thing. She's like, no, I got, there's got to be something in this for me too. Um, but she also cares. I think she really does care about these people. Um, I think she cares about every everyone. I think she does deep down care for her brother, even though she gives Lucas a lot of crap. I think she does care about him. Um, and I'm hoping we get to see more of her and maybe even see her circle of friends too. I mean, they might be able to branch out there. I know it might be too many characters, but that might be interesting as well. So yeah, I think she's been a great addition to season three. She was one of my favorite parts of season three. Um, and yeah, I think she's just, she's really funny. Uh, she's the actress. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Priya Ferguson is really good. Um, yeah, and and I think that character is probably a lot of fun to play. But yeah, she's she was a great addition in season three. Okay, well we're going to move on to the teenagers, um, and I want to first talk about I, I think just because I just because I kind of have them mixed in together so much now. Nancy and Jonathan to me they're kind of one and the same now. Um, so just for time wise, since there are still a lot more to get to. I just want to kind of cover Nancy and Jonathan together in a way. Uh, we can also talk about them separately, but their relationship. Um, what are your thoughts on both of them as individuals and then together as a couple, Megan? Nancy and Jonathan. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, they ultimately end up becoming the same person. And I think it's funny because they were both at the beginning like, we want to be different from our parents. We don't want to end up like them, blah, 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 blah. And then they end up exactly in their shoes and it just, it's very humorous to me because they had all these ideals in, these, in their mind and they just failed to realize, you know, like you got, you got to live, like you have to make money, there's things you have to do in order to survive and you can't just be out here willy-nilly all the time. And fortunately, I feel like the government hit hardest on them with this whole experimentation with Eleven and all that because they're more of the adults. And they weren't allowed to talk about any of it or engage with it anymore, which was really unfortunate for Nancy. I definitely feel like it took away from her character the most just because like it forced her to just become more or less like her mother in a lot of aspects, except she works. And I just I kind of wanted more for Nancy because of the journalism, but it was just really unfortunate that it never quite reached that point. And with Jonathan, I just adore the fact that he was still there for his brother regardless, even though they kind of had like a little bit of a disagreement there, like he still stood by his brother, even when his friends were acting really mean to him. He was still trying to be there for him because he knew this was such a traumatic thing for him. Um, I just hope in season form, they both kind of redeem themselves and something more happens with them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And Susie, your thoughts on Nancy and Jonathan? Um, I do agree that at, I think, a certain point, they do kind of meld into the same kind of character. And, and I'm really, like, ambivalent towards towards Nancy, like, especially, all right, this is going to sound really crass, but you do not abandon your friend just to get just to get laid like this isn't right like her friend's like oh I just I want to go home like I don't I don't I don't feel right here and Nancy's just like we'll go she she sent Barb out on her own she was like just just stay out here you just walk home I don't care 
And she just like goes with Steve. And I'm like, girl, that isn't right. You never leave a friend alone, especially in a strange place. Oh, ever since that, I've, I've just been really like, mm, when it comes to her. And, and well, in respect to Jonathan, I think it's really, um, I don't agree. Like, in the first, I haven't been able to get past the first season when he's just taking pictures of Nancy undressing. Like, dude, that, that isn't right. No. That, why would you do that? Oh. I, I think just for me overall, it's just been really like, ugh, when it comes to both of them. Like, yeah, I do think it's really sweet, like the relationship that Jonathan has with with his family and how everything's really like uh, cooperative and like copacetic and such. But it's just, oh, I just, I, I don't care much for those two characters. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was a shipper of the two of them in season one and a bit in season two. Um, but it's amazing how much my opinion on those two has changed. Um, for Nancy, you know, I, I think that stuff with Barb, even though it was cruel and mean and you shouldn't do that, I honestly think it's very realistic to the way teenagers are to each other and the way women are to each other and girls are to each other. So I think it was pretty realistic. It was awful and horrible. I'm not excusing it at all, but I think it was really realistic. Um, and I think she was also at this place where she's considered like, at least in the first season was considered like the good girl, the goody goody girl. And I think for her, she was trying to break away from that so much. So she saw this opportunity with Steve to break away from that. And so I think that's a lot of what that scene was about. I don't think it was so much trying to be a, excuse my language, but a bitch, but I think it was more her trying to just, break away from that label of being a goody goody um not at all excusing what she did but i'm just saying that i think that's a lot of what that was about and jonathan jonathan is the he's the mold of every guy that i personally ever ever had a crush on dated anything from high school into my early 20s he is the exact carbon cutout of that the the different guy, the unique guy, the guy that not everybody, you know, likes. Like for me, it was always goth guys, um, the punks. Just, and he kind of fits into that in a lot of ways. Um, the fact that he's an artist. I mean, he's a photographer and that to me is art, um, of course. So he is an artist. Um, he listens to The Clash. I love The Clash. So he would have been the guy if I was in high school, that would have been the guy that I would have had a crush on. It never would have been someone like Steve. It would have been him. So that's probably why I really liked his character in season one and some of season two. I think what happened is they got into a relationship and they became one. Like you said, Megan, they kind of they kind of melted into one character. Um, and they kind of have the same thing that Mike has, where they have this sort of ego about them. They think they sometimes can present themselves as being better than everybody else, as being more enlightened than everybody else. It also reminds me a lot of people I was friends in high school who would literally sit there and they'd want to just because just because they wanted to seem like they were higher and more superior to people that were, um, quote unquote, 
the normal people, but they would sit there and have conversations about why the sky might not actually be blue or debating. I mean, I'm not saying that's the exact thing they would talk about, but stuff like that where it would, we're going to have a really deep philosophical conversation and I'm going to question everything you're thinking because you're thinking like quote unquote normal society. And even though they're not necessarily saying that, I think they kind of have that attitude about them. So it's really interesting to me. That's what's been so fascinating watching this show is watching a character like Jonathan Nancy wasn't really necessarily my favorite, but I liked her with Jonathan. But watching a character like Jonathan, who was one of my favorite characters, become one of my least favorite and become a boring character. I think they're just boring. Um, I think a lot of times people don't know how to write couples um, in shows. And I think they don't know how to write the two of them together. I think once that tension went away, I don't know, I feel like they kind of weren't sure what to do with them. Um, so they just became boring and I really was surprised that that happened. Honestly, that's been one of the most surprising things about this show for me. Okay. Well, let's go into the character that for a while was part of the love triangle between Nancy and Jonathan and that's Steve. And what are your thoughts on Steve, Megan? So when I first met Steve Harrington, I remember I was watching the show and I was, I rolled my eyes. I swear they almost got stuck there. Um, he was just way too much. He was over the top. He was very much like, I'm going to go and work at daddy's company, blah, 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 blah. And I'm so fantastic. I'm great. Everyone loves me. And then Nancy's in love with him. And I'm like, why? So I understand why, like, you really love Jonathan to begin with, Aaron. I mean, really do. Because, like, Jonathan was just a lot more appealing than Steve. However, once season two hit and, like, Nancy and Jonathan kind of coupled off, and like Steve was just very hurt and his ego was like blasted the smithereens and he realized like oh I'm stuck in this same town I'm doing these same things like I think he really started to develop his personality finally he stopped relying on his looks he stopped relying so heavily on um, the way he was perceived as like the high school jock like he actually had to figure himself out and develop some really adult traits and I think that's what I really loved about him is that he was like, oh, I'm going to try and win Nancy back. He had the flowers in hand and he was ready to do it. And then Dustin's like, what are we doing? Like, no, like, we've got to go. Like, forget Nancy. Like, we don't have time for Nancy. And I was like, yes, yes, Dustin. And then that's when I knew Dustin was always and will forever be my favorite. And like Steve throws the flowers away and goes and helps Dustin out. And I just really love how he decided like his thing was to be protecting these kids from this huge scary thing that no one really knew much about and he just he really did his best and I think even in season three and I really love him in season three too he starts to explore the idea of like okay well what do I want to do as an adult like obviously I can't stay at Scoops Ahoy forever like what am I going to do and I think it's nice as someone who experienced that um within the last five years of unemployment, but also like in between jobs and stuff, like I can see where he was at mentally and I really strongly related to it. So I only hope in this next season, um, they continue to build up on him and allow him to become the most beautiful character, most amazing character that I know he can be. I just, I really love Steve Harrington and that's all it needs to be said. <laughs> yeah, perfectly said. And Susie? Yeah, um, 
I will say that when he was first introduced, I was just like, ugh, here we go. This guy. Okay, I see. And and I do like how I think near the end when he comes when he possibly comes face to face with the Demogorgon, he's like, What's going on? And he just like freaks out and I, I do I, I really love how in the second season we get to see like his his development a lot more and how he's just starting to really kind of grow and mature better as a person and I I, I do agree with you and I really think that his friendship with with Dustin serves as this kind of like grounding force and like helps him become better how like it's 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 a whole meme online how he he becomes a mom to these kids like a like a mom to these kids like that mom friend and I think that's just like really sweet and funny and the I I love love I love that he's an ally I I love it how like Robin just kind of comes out to him and he he's he doesn't even think about it he's just like well you can't have a crush on her she's, she's a terrible singer. And I think that's just really sweet, and the torture scene in in that season really, like, it made me feel really sad for him, and I just want him to be happy. I want nice things for Steve. I, I agree. Um, I'm going to gush a lot here, because this is my favorite character, Steve Harrington, and, and when the show started, he was my least favorite character. And this is my favorite part of Stranger Things, is what they did with the character of Steve, because he could have gone on to be um, this foil. He could have gone on to be a villain. He could have just served that purpose. And I think other shows would have done that where he might have had a couple of minutes of you learn his backstory and why he keeps being the jerk jock kind of guy. Um, and they didn't do that with him. And I thought that was a really, really good choice to make. And I ha- and I'm pretty sure I was trying to find this that they actually didn't intend on keeping him this long and making him such a strong character in there. But the actor Joe Curie is so good, and they started seeing that there could be a different side to Steve. And of course, I think that happened first and foremost with Dustin, and then his growth continued with his relationship with Robin, and the scene in the bathroom where Robin comes out to him. And his reaction is such a beautiful, beautiful scene. It's done so perfectly. It really shows the character's growth. It shows how caring and kind he is and how much he truly, truly cares for the character of Robin. He doesn't, I mean, yes, he was falling in love with her for sure, but he instantly realized that, okay, I can't push this, um, I can't be like, oh, well, you just haven't had, you know, the right boyfriend. You haven't had the right guy in your life. You know, I can change you. He didn't do that kind of thing that you might have expected him to do maybe with in season one or that you might usually that, – that, that you would usually see back then um, or from young men. Um, and he is trying to find his way in the world too. So I thought that scene – was so well done and it fit his character perfectly and it made him that that's what really made it apparent to me that this was my favorite character in the show 
because I don't think any other guy in the show would have handled that the way that he did. I don't think any other guy, even Dustin, even, you know, I mean, Dustin's younger, of course, but I still don't think anyone would have handled that with the care and love and support that Steve did. And I think for Robin, it was such this welcoming thing because she really loves Steve as a friend. This is like her best friend. They're becoming best friends. And so for her, I think she was really afraid that she would lose that or of his reaction, especially since he was confessing his love to her right before she did that. And so I think for her, that was so great to have that positivity. I mean, this is the 80s. And it was even harder to come out then than it is now. And so I just think it's beautiful that she's able to have that and that he embraced her. And I just, I want him to be happy. I just want him to be happy so much. I want him to find someone who will love him. I do want him to find um, a, a soulmate of, of sorts as in a romantic relationship. I think he deserves that. I think any woman would be lucky to have him. Um, you know, I think he's just, he's just, he's the guy that what's interesting is he's the guy that even though for me, I would have been looking at a guy like Jonathan in all reality, even though he didn't seem like he'd be the healthy guy to go after Steve would be the guy you should look at. Because what's interesting about Steve is I think he respects your boundaries um, even though he did try, he he was going to try and get Nancy back. He still backed off. He could have become a stalker. He could have become unhealthy. He could have become even more of a jerk than he was in season one. But instead, he didn't do that. Instead, he embraced growing and becoming a better person. And that's why I, I just love the character. I I just think he he's one of the best characters on TV right now, frankly. And I wish there were more guys in the world that were a little bit more like that, to be honest. But yeah, like I said, that scene with Robin was hands down my favorite scene in all of last season because it was just so beautifully handled. I've watched it again and again, just that scene, because I just think it's it's just so beautiful to watch watch those two interact and watch how Steve takes that in and and how he, instead of saying you can't love her because, you know, that's wrong – you know, the girl that he had a crush on, you can't, that she had a crush on, you can't have a crush on her because that's wrong. Instead, it was because she's not good enough for you. So I thought that that was, that was really, really good. So I, yes, I just, I love, 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 love Steve. Um, I could probably do a whole podcast just on, on Steve and his growth as a character. <laughs> so, um, but I want to talk about Robin since she came on um, in season three, and I think she's been one of the best additions to the show. What are your thoughts on Robin, Megan? Oh, gosh, you both made me so emotional there. It was so sweet about him and Robin, because, yeah, that was one of my favorite scenes as well, just them together like that in the bathroom. Oh, okay. Anyways, um, Robin was, oh, God, I just, I loved her. I loved how she didn't take any of Steve's shit. I love that she was like, okay, like, it's nice that you think, like, you think grandly of yourself, but let's, let's come back to reality here. And she just always had this kind of personality that is kind of like anti, like super flowy dress. Let's listen to the guy all the time. And I really like that. And it was nice seeing her kind of get this prominent role, honestly, just because like, 
she really helped i feel like steve understand boundaries more than anyone because he did he would try and push it with the flirting a little bit with her for a while and everything but she was very good about being like no like we're not doing this and he would back off and I think she's just the kind of person that anyone would need if they need like a really good friend or someone that genuinely is knowledgeable about something like how she cracked that code like that was brilliant I don't know if anyone else in the show could have done that as well as she could have she was just always super brilliant that way and I'm glad they allowed her to shine in that way because I feel like a lot of the characters they introduce now like a lot of the time they they bring them on and they have their moments like uh, Billy. Um, like they brought him on more or less to just kind of be like the sex object. Um, and that was cool and everything, I guess. But he didn't have any other real reason to be there. And I felt like with some of the other characters, too, it kind of felt like that. Like when we met um, Eleven's uh, like family and stuff like that, like they were kind of just brought on for that moment to kind of, you know, fill in some space. But I'm glad they allowed Robin to actually drive the story and take leadership, especially when Steve, because he would be kind of scatterbrained at time. He was just worried about protecting people. She was in there to swoop in and kind of guide them along and figuring this all out. Uh, she was a very good planner. And I only hope we can see more of that in the future and to see her become more independent as a character as a whole. Oh, I am... Like a thousand and one percent in love with Robin. I feel like her addition to the show is certainly a, a very welcome one, and it's just I I I really think that she's that friend who just like keeps you straight, makes sure your ego doesn't get too big. And she's like, Nah, dude, you're you're human just like the rest of it. Just stop it. Like I I feel it's great, and like her integration into kind of like the the Stranger Things team, and she's like, listen, I speak Russian, I know four languages, just let me translate, because I'm bored. I don't... <laughs> like, you don't need to give me credit, just let me translate this for you. And I think it's really, really fun. It's just, like, her, her friendship with Steve, and how, even at at the end, when they get the job at, like, the, what is it, like, the, the video store, the Blockbuster, or yeah. whatnot, when she like talks the guy into hiring him, she's like, "Listen, he's oh, there's gonna be so many girls and poor Steve. Oh, he's so lost. He's gonna need help dealing with that." He's like, "Fine, I'll hire you." Jesus Christ! Like, I like, I really love how she's integrated herself into the friend group, and I can't wait to see what what other seasons bring of her. I really hope they don't do her a disservice. I think it'll be really fun to see like where all this goes and and everything. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I just want to say really quickly, Maya Hawk is, is a really, really good actress and she really is the perfect combination of her dad, Ethan Hawk and her mom, Uma Thurman. Just want to mention that because she, I think she's really, really good um, actress and yeah, I think she was such a great addition to season three. One of the best new characters they've ever had on the show. Um, her relationship with Steve, like I've mentioned already, 
is is so great. And I will say, Megan, when I was talking about that bathroom scene, I was getting a little bit choked up. I was almost crying because I just thought it was such a great scene. But watching her vulnerability in there because her character, you know, she tries to not be as vulnerable, I think. She tries to keep this wall of protection, which is understandable because, you know, she's she's dealing with a fear of rejection with trying to find her place in the world. And so watching her vulnerability throughout season three, and then also just watching how, how smart she, she is and um, watching how she's accepted into the fold, into this group and how she, you know, I think for her, it was like she's finally starting to find a home and a place and people who are really accepting of her. And I think she's just really loves that and needed that. And so it's been great watching that. Um, and I will say from a personal standpoint, I um, worked at Blockbuster right out of high school. And so whenever I see anyone work at a video store, I get really nostalgic for that time because I was really good friends with all my coworkers and you know, we'd have so much fun and it was so much fun working in a place like that at times, just because, you know, I'd get to get my movie geek on and recommend things to people. Um, but yeah, so, and I, I miss video stores. I, I honestly miss video stores. I think that's something that I'm sad that a lot of generations don't get to experience because there is something about that. Anyway, a little sidetrack there, but that, that really made me happy when they, they showed that they were going to be working in a video store. I thought that was pretty awesome, but yeah, she's, she's a great addition. I can't wait to see what they do next with her. Um, I'd like to even see more of maybe her backstory, maybe even meet some of her family, some other friends in her life, something like that. I think that would be interesting too. And then I definitely want to see her friendship with Steve grow. Um, I, I want them to remain friends. I don't want anything to really disrupt that. Um, yeah. So I just, I just think she's, she's, she's awesome. Um, and this wasn't on my outline, but I want to just briefly mention him because he fits sort of in with the teens and young adults. And that's Billy. I just want to mention him because I think he's served kind of a big, he served a big role, of course, in season three and parts of season two. Um, so what are your thoughts on Billy, Megan? So when they first introduced Billy, all I could think of was Billy Idol from the 80s. And that was like a huge crush for me back in the day, like when I was a teenager and I was like going through my own like kind of phase and like pop, like very punky kind of like era, more gothic. But um, I definitely had my punk moment there and seeing him on the screen and how he came on. And then it gave me such like George Michael feels because of the hair and the earring and all it's just all of it was like okay I don't know why you're here but I know what I feel about you but you are probably trash (laughs) it just it was such a weird moment and especially with him and Miss Wheeler like it just was like okay that's a little too much for me I didn't need that but what I did appreciate about Billy was I think he also helped in the development of Steve becoming who he was it forced Steve to realize, like, if he would have remained on the path he did, he could have become just as jerkish, if not more, than Billy was. Because Billy was like, oh, you used to be the man of the school, blah, blah, blah. Well, here I am, like, 
outdo me and he kind of realized how pointless it was and even though like he tried reaching out and helping him like he could see like Billy just wanted no part of it and I think it helps Steve realize like he can't save everyone but also realize in himself that he didn't want to be that person yeah very good point about Steve I didn't even I didn't even really think about that but yeah that's that's a really good good point there and your thoughts on Billy Susie Oh, I I despise Billy so much. Oh, when when I first saw him on screen, and I remember like all the I think all the girls in high school were like, "Who is this? He's so cute." But when he was first on screen, he just like he 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 seemed very like 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 when when like sometimes. I see certain characters and I get like these like feelings from them. So just like seeing him, it was like, it felt very like he would be like very like sticky and greasy. And I was like, no, I'm I'm not, I'm not here for this. And just like his, his behavior of, I really think it's disgusting how he abuses Max and he's just this like horrible bully and, yeah, he kind of sacrificed himself in the third season, but I don't think any of, like, thank you, but I don't think any of that excuses his prior behavior, and I feel like they try to maybe give us, like, a sense of sympathy for him with the whole uh, thing about his mom, but even then I was like, I'm sorry that this happened to you, but this does not excuse your behavior. <laughs> I just, I didn't, I don't, I don't care for him at all. Yeah, I'm with you. I I hate him. Um, And that's why I say I I think the show was trying to give him this forgiveness route, this almost redemption route in the in the final episode um, of him, you know, sacrificing himself or whatever, having it seem like that. But I don't think that was earned. Um, I don't think he deserved that. He's he's. Not only is he just a jerk, he's racist, he's sexist, he's a predator in a lot of respects. He's abusive. He's emotionally and physically abusive. Um, he's just not a, not a good guy. And I, I don't think at all that it's wrong that they created this character because um, people like this exist everywhere. And there are tons and tons and tons and hundreds and thousands of Billies in this world. Um, I just don't think the redemption thing that it looked like they were going for was earned. I, he did not earn that. He, and he didn't, he didn't do anything in my opinion to earn that. Um, and yeah, most people that are horrible people, a lot of them um, might've been abused in the past or had a horrible past. But like you said, Susie, that's no excuse. Just like it's no excuse with, I'm not saying he was a serial killer, but it's no excuse with serial killers if they were abused as kids because plenty of people go through abuse and horrible situations and don't turn into racist assholes. So, you know, I just, I just despise him. I'm glad he's gone, honestly. Um, and, and like I said, I do think it'll be interesting to watch Max dealing with that and dealing with her grief. But like I said, I just don't think he deserved any kind of redemption or anything like that because he had not earned that. Um, in my opinion. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, he's, he's, but I, I will say the acting, um, Dockery 
Montgomery. I'm probably mispronouncing his first name, of course. I thought he was really good, though. I will say that. Um, and he was pretty representative as far as in the looks of a lot of 80s men. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah, his relationship with Miss Byers was really kind of icky. <laughs> I mean, not Byers, sorry. Sorry, Wheeler um, was really, really icky. <laughs> but, okay, well, let's move on to the adults. We're just going to focus on Joyce and Jim. So, Megan, what are your thoughts on Joyce and Jim? I've always wondered what I would be like as a parent, and I saw it in Joyce. <laughs> it was just like the amount of love she has for her kids, both of them. It's, there's not even a favoritism, because even though Jonathan at times felt like there was, there really wasn't. She just really cared deeply about both of them, just going on and leading happy lives and like doing the most with themselves. I mean, the woman drove herself crazy over finding Will, and it was like, oh my gosh, like I... I would be the same way. Like, I wouldn't help but feel like something was wrong. Like, this boy is trying to reach to me, and it's like my mother instincts would know. And I just feel like I wish Jim would have trusted her more on that. I know he's not a parent, but as somebody who can who grew up around her from what it seemed like and just knew who she was, like, I don't think she just brings stuff up to bring stuff up. I think, like, she had some genuine concerns, and that was something that always bugged me about Jim. He was just kind of like, oh, I'm the man, and I've got it all under control here, blah, blah, blah. And I saw him revert back to that kind of personality in season three with Eleven, and then treating her the way he did, and I hated it. And it's like, he spent so much time with Joyce, you think he would have picked up some of that love from her that she has for her kids. And even though she was super protective of Will, like, and rightfully so, she still wanted him to be able to have fun and go out with friends she just wanted to be aware of what was going on and she wasn't out here trying to forbid him in the same way that Jim was forbidding Eleven from hanging out with Mike like don't get me wrong like I like Mike and he got on my nerves but it's like you gotta let the child learn how to live in their environment and I think that's what ultimately helped Will at the end with dealing with a lot of the stuff he was dealing with was living it and seeing that you know his friends weren't always going to be there for him but like his mom always will his uh, brother would and that he kind of just needs to work things out and I think Eleven needed that and um, Jim did not provide that fully for her I will say Jim's sacrifice was a lot more meaningful than Billy's because when Billy's happened I was just kind of like oh like whatever but when Jim did I actually got emotional just because like that's the only person Eleven really knew as a man to really trust and it was just really heartbreaking because that was like her parent and he did all that for her and it just makes me wonder if there's going to be any good that comes out of that and I just hope that both Jim and Joyce find happiness in their own selves and they don't live vicariously through the kids either so it'll be interesting to see what season four brings yes yes agree uh Susie so um I do just want to uh sorry Megan I do want to correct you really quick uh Jim actually is a parent he had a daughter Sarah that died of cancer which is one of the reasons why he turned into such an alcoholic he turned to it to like you're right daughter that was um, my bad. Yeah, no. And I think that really does, I think that does contribute into his treatment of 
11 because since he lost his, well, his biological daughter to to this disease and was powerless to do anything about it, I think part of his behavior in the third season is is him trying, like, the best that he can in the most misguided of ways to prevent his adoptive daughter from befalling the similar or worse fate because he's I think he's just afraid to lose what what he's kind of like sort of built for himself in the way of this like found family but I do agree that his like sacrifice is really um his sacrifice felt way more significant than than Billy's because Billy's was just was just very um okay so thank you for doing that now let's move on and I definitely felt more emotional with Hopper's. I was just, I was just like, no, not him. But um, spoilers, I suppose. If anyone has watched any of the trailers for the fourth season, he's alive apparently in some Russian gulag. So I let's let's see how they explain that. I'm really curious to see how they, like, if the Russians like got in there and pulled him out or or something. It'd be really interesting to see, but. Um, Joyce's it as as I've said before, it is really heartwarming and sweet to see like the close relationship that the Byers family has. Like just it's just Joyce doing her best to raise these kids, and they have so much love and respect for her, and she just really loves and cares for them. And I think it's really sweet that she, after the quote unquote loss of Hopper, that she's taking. Eleven into her family and giving her a home and being like a motherly figure for her. Um, and I think also in the second season, like her relationship with Bob was really sweet. I think it was really cute, and it was really sad <laughs> when the demodogs got him. Oh, and it's it, it's interesting how she's like dealing with that in the in the third season too. Like even though it's been, I think about a year since his loss. And I think it's part of the reason why she was hesitant to enter into this or like admit her feelings for Hopper. And I, I want to see like what she's been, what's, what's been going on with, with her and the rest of the Byers family after the move. I think it'd be really interesting to see that. And I do want to acknowledge really quick, uh, Mr. Clark. I think he's also like the unsung, like, like hero in a way because he's he's the kid's Google. Is <laughs> an almost at at a certain point in every in each of the three seasons they always go to him and they like ask him stuff like about the parallel universe and about this and that. I think at a certain point they even interrupt him on a date night and I love how he's just like always available for these kids and he's like, okay, that's a weird question, but yeah, I'll tell you about it. Like, I just think that that's really, like, sweet and really nice. Yeah, thanks for mentioning him. I would, I totally would have spaced even mentioning him. But, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I'll just tackle Joyce first because I have, I have a lot of feelings on Jim. So, um, with Joyce, um, in a lot of ways, she sort of reminds me of my mom when I was growing up. Um and what I really appreciate about this show with 
their portrayal of a single mom. You, I think a lot of times you will see this portrayed in a couple of ways. One way is the single mom is always sleeping around and, you know, always, you know, with some different guy each week. And she's, you know, just not a very good person um, or she is a drug addict um, and you don't see that with Joyce. Joyce is a single mother struggling very hard to raise her two boys and doing the best she can. And she's a good, good person. You never see her jumping from one man to another. You never see her um, leaving her kids to fend for themselves. I mean, yeah, they might have to be alone a lot, but she's not like abandoning them. She's not seen as um, she's not shown as someone who's irresponsible. She's so devoted to her sons that she seems almost like she's to, to the outside world, like she's losing it when Will disappears. And she's not. She's the one who knows who can see what's going on and is trying to reach her son so desperately because she loves her son with everything she has. And that's what I really appreciate about Joyce. And like I said, I'm I'm very mixed on Winona Ryder, which I know is a horrible thing to say for people from my generation, but I've always been that way with her. I go back and forth, but I think she's so good in this role. And I think for a long time, Winona Ryder was stuck in that teenager 90s and 80s characters that she played. And so it's really nice to see her step out from that. And what I also loved about Joyce was when you did see her get in a relationship with Bob, you didn't see her get in a relationship with a horrible guy. You saw her get in a relationship with a truly, I mean, yes, he was a big geek, but so what? He was a great guy. Um, and that was so refreshing because a lot of times when you see single parents, single moms, really, not really so much single dads, but when you see single moms on shows and movies, they often get into relationships with abusive and horrible men. And I'm not saying that ever happens, but, you know, as someone who was raised by a single mom, I'm very, very protective of this, um, you know, and I get, and it's one of those things that can tick me off more than anything else is, is how they're portrayed. So I loved that. I loved that her relationship with Bob, he was such a good guy and it made you really, for me, I had always shipped Jim and Joyce. And so for me, it was this real, like, yeah, but Bob is a really great guy and I hated seeing him killed and I, you know, it was just so nice and she deserved that and she deserved to have something that was, to have someone who was so down to earth and really loved her and really respected her and really respected her kids. You know, that's the big thing too. He would have been a really great stepfather to them, I think. And so it was really nice to see that and it was really sad when he went away okay now Jim <laughs> Jim Hopper was my favorite character until season three um I, I thought it was interesting listening to you describe where you think some of that came from Susie and his own um grief that he's still processing over the death of his own daughter um and then it might be coming from that because I didn't catch that I didn't see that that way at all I saw it as Here's this character who had some of that gruffness, who, you know, is an alcoholic, who's struggling with grief and dealing with the loss of his daughter. And so he comes off as kind of rough around the edges. And then he slowly starts healing because of Eleven and because of other things going on. 
and he becomes a better person. And then season three was like, nah, forget it. We're going to throw that out, throw that in the trash. And the way he talked to Eleven and the way he treated Eleven was abusive. I'm sorry, hands down, it was abusive. He was an absolute ass, a jerk. He wanted to control her body. He wanted to control her sexuality. He wanted to control who she was. And to me, that was not Jim. And and to me, I didn't see it as him dealing with grief and wanting to protect his his new daughter. Because, yes, you saw him wanting to protect her in season two. And he could sometimes be a little bit gruff. But he was never like he was in season three. To me, it was basically like, you know, like I said, I love what they did with Steve, with the growth with Steve. And so it was like kind of they went, okay, well, we can only make one character have this growth. So we're going to take all the growth we were giving to Jim and we're going to trash it and throw it out the window. And it's one of the things that has pissed me off more than anything in this show. Um, because I loved Jim Hopper so much. And I hate when shows destroy a character for no good reason. There was no reason to do that. Um, I will say, though, that I was really sad when he um, sacrificed himself. Um, the final scenes when Eleven is reading that letter uh, really made me cry. Um, I, I love David Harbour. I, I just I have a massive crush on that guy. So, you know, I love that. And I was very sad to see him go. But this show since spoiler alert like Susie mentioned and I think everybody kind of guessed it with the tag on on the end of the last um, episode of season three that spoiler it looks like Jim is still alive I really hope Jim doesn't come back and be the same Jim he was in season three because if they do that then I would rather he just stay dead to be honest because I just no there's no excuse for the way he treated Eleven in my opinion um, and the way he treated Joyce, too. He's, he was really a jerk to Joyce in season three as well. And I know he's always had a rough edge. But that doesn't mean he has to be, like, a, a horrible human being to people. It doesn't mean he has to be abusive. So, yeah, those are my 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 thoughts on Jim. And I really hope that when he comes back, he apologizes, number one. Um, and number two, that he learns and grows again because it's really really sad to me that they took my favorite character and um ruined him the way that they did so yeah those are my thoughts on on jim um well before we wrap up i just want to go around and see if there's anything else anybody wants to mention any other characters you want to give a quick shout out to or anything else about the show in general megan um i am happy they brought uh bob on aka my favorite lord of the rings character samwise uh as a lord of the rings fans it was really refreshing to see him get a role like this just because like he's such a cool guy and i am upset that they killed him off but otherwise that's just the only character i have at this point well Susie, do you have any other characters you want to give a shout out to or anything else yes i do a couple of but uh, two characters in in the third season that really like were gave me the giggles were uh, Maury Bowman and the Russian Alexi. Just like their interactions were just like really fun and I like his introduction in the second season and he's just like this conspiracy theorist like okay I have all these theories this is what's happening, this is what the Russians are doing and just how he talks to Alexi and he's like quiet scum and they just kind of like 
talk, how they're talking in the back of the car, and 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 he's like, yeah, they fight like this all the time. Have they have they had sex yet? No. And they're just giggling in the back. Like oh, that's that's really fun. And I think Alexi's death is really tragic. I would have loved to see more of this duo. Yeah, good call there. Yeah, yeah. Great, yeah. Um, for me, you know, I, I honestly don't think there are any other characters cause other than the ones that everybody has mentioned already um, to give a call out to. I know we haven't talked a lot about the villains or the upside down necessarily. Um, and I think it's interesting how each season that's handled a little bit differently. Um, I really wasn't a fan of Carrie Elway's character, I will say. Um, I kind of was hoping I would be, but it was kind of a bland villain in a lot of ways for me. Um, but yeah, I, I would love for the next season, um, to sort of, I don't know, to go, I think they've kind of gone a horror route, but to go real, real horror, like up the horror, I would, that's what I would love to see in in the next season. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's what I would love to see. Um, is there anything... you would love to see in the next season, Megan, really quickly? Uh, for me, I just want to see Dustin take more of the leadership role away from Mike. I'm tired of Mike. I, or unless he grows, I guess. I don't know. Something's got to give over there. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's a consensus that we all have <laughs> about, about Mike um, and Dustin. Uh, Susie? So I, like in the next season, I hope we get a change in Hopper's character. I do hope that he goes back to being like the the, the soft but gruff boy that he was before. <laughs> All this shenanigans that they did to him. Uh, I, I do want to see Dustin take more of a leadership role from Mike. I want Mike to take a step back. Let Dustin take control. Everything will be PG Kane. I I I want to see more character development from Lucas because so far I feel like it's just been kind of a little bit more constant one note with a few like ticks and upticks and such. But I feel like there's a lot of potential with this character and a lot that they could do with it that they just haven't like really taken advantage of in that regards. And um, I just I, I'm really curious to see where like where all the characters will be and how they've developed and grown through this like I don't know what the break is going to be like if it's been a year or like a summer or winter or something I'm really curious about that um if Jim doesn't change in season four um I will be heartbroken um and give Steve a love interest <laughs> I know that's not the most important thing but I want him to have a love interest um, someone that deserves him. Um, and yeah, and give us more Robin backstory, more Robin, Steve, Dustin, and Erica interactions would be cool too. Um, and yeah, give Lucas more to do. Um, and yeah, and I agree, make Dustin more of the leader. <laughs> okay, great. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up now. And so I'll just go around and Megan. Is this a time when you're going to be found? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say that. Okay, no, Sasha no, 2.0. I... <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sasha and I prefer to be a mystery. <laughs> Sasha broke that in our latest Yeah, Sasha has, has come forth. 
Yeah, she came oh, out. Oh, right. Oh, gosh. Yeah, no. Then it's just me. I guess I'm the Lone Ranger in that. <laughs> well, someday it'll happen. <laughs> okay, and Susie? Yeah, um, you can find my dog on Instagram at Benny underscore Pelucita. So that's B-E-N-N-I-E underscore P-E-L-U-S-I-T-A. Awesome. Thank you. And this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. Um, if you have any feedback about Stranger Things, if you have any characters that we miss that you want to call out, or if you have a favorite that we uh, were hard on the whole, <laughs> the whole episode, feel free to reach out to us at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And also, please, please, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That helps us get found in that big, wide world of podcasts. And on next week's shows, we have two shows. So we're back with two shows a week. Um, and we will be for a while. Um, and we are going to be talking about DC. So Susie will be returning for that one. And then we're going to be talking about Marvel. So that should be interesting. And then the week and then following the next week starts our six part supernatural extravaganza. So like I said, this podcast would not exist in large part without the show supernatural and the fandom that I found there. So that will be an emotional, fun, you'll probably hear me get angry a lot, too, <laughs> when we talk about Andrew Dabbs' seasons. Um, but that should be fun, so keep an ear out for that as well. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing, and Black Lives Matter. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.